This is your time to lit up with Angela Breidenbach. Lit Up is lighting up the literary world with book reviews, in-depth expert interviews, and ideas for you to design a lucrative writing career. Expand your imagination to enhance your life. Lit Up is always family-friendly, always good for your heart. Now, here is your host to Lit Up, Angela Breidenbach. This is Angela Breidenbach, and I'm so excited to be with you. This is our first show in the Lit Up with Angela Breidenbach, and I have a special guest here with me who's my executive producer and the brainchild behind the opportunity that she's given me to do this show. So welcome, Sandra Beck. I love the name brainchild. I think I'm going to put that on my business card. It allows me to do and be a lot of things. (laughs) I like brainchild, too, because, you know, Everything that we do in life, it, it all, they say it comes from your heart, but you actually think it first. And so when you, when you think things up about how you might affect other people's lives and how you might affect the world while you're here and after you're gone, you know, it all comes first from the ideas that God gave us. And Lit oh. is like a show all about not just the literary world, but books and movies and the ideas that people have. Well, and how to get them moved forward. You know, one of the things, Angela, I noticed is writers and, and, and producers and directors, they all have great ideas. And, you know, some move forward with them and some don't. And, you know, getting people to expand their viewpoints and to go out and try, I think, is half the battle. I really think so, too. And I think giving permission to people, like sometimes it is the smallest thing of just saying, hey, <laughs> You can do this. And what would you do if it were your first step? So like this morning before we started the show, I went on Facebook and I have a lot of really great friends on Facebook, not only from, you know, back in high school and stuff, but from the writing world and from the just people that are readers and fun people that want to support me like I want to support them. And so I said, hey, we're going to be doing the first um, show. And then I said what it was about. But afterwards, I asked the question. If you had a show, what would your show be called and what would it, what would it be about? And I think sometimes that brainchild has to happen. That moment where you inspire somebody else to go bigger. And I'm excited about that today. I'm excited about talking with the guests that we have today. We have two guests that are amazing. And I, do you know who they are, Sandra? I'm excited. Ah. Yes, we have Dr. Ted Bear and we have J.D. DeWitt. I'm so excited to meet them. They are the coolest people. I actually had the opportunity to go to Dr. Ted Bear's week long. It's like a, an immersion. And it was two years ago and I went and for Easter. And during that immersion time, he teaches you the great overview of the film industry. You get to analyze movies with them. There's very small. There's like eight people in the class. And you then write your first uh, screenplay scene. And then you act it out. And let me tell you, (laughs) I had no idea that other people were going to be acting out a scene that I wrote while I was at this class. And it was scary in the moment, realizing somebody else 
is not only going to read my words, but they're going to read them out loud in front of other people. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And he did the nicest thing for me. And Dr. Ted Bear said to me, Angela, you are talented and you need to let people see that talent. And I was like, wow, um, really? <laughs> so what happened was I wrote my scene and I learned a whole lot about what I need to do better because not only do people read it and, and act out my scene, but then we take that apart and we say we give each other this great critique. And that's the kind of thing that was in How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul was all of this different opportunity to learn. And that is his book. And so it's, it's a, I would say it is the, a really great field guide for understanding how Hollywood works. So if you have a dream of being a screenwriter, of being a storyteller, of being a director, um, if you want to be even a cameraman, anything that gives you the desire of your heart that God put inside of you, you're going to find a lot out inside how to succeed in Hollywood without losing your soul because it is a field guide for Christian screenwriters, actors, producers, directors, and more. But you know what was really interesting? Um, have you ever had the opportunity to read this book yet, Sandra? I haven't read it, but I did spend 10 years working for Disney and CBS in the entertainment industry. And, you know, just the concept alone of how to succeed in Hollywood without losing your soul, it can be done. It can be. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. And the, the most important thing that I think you said, Angela, in your, your opening here was that you borrowed Ted's faith in you. You know, yeah. and that's really, you know, when you look at at most great ideas, and I used to see this, there'd always be some, you know, pinhead in a meeting that would shoot down ideas before they had a chance to be, to grow up. You know, ideas are born and then you got to kind of nurture them like an ornery little toddler till you <laughs> bring them to fruition, you know, till you bring them into a project. And one of the things, you know, when, when Ted said, you know, you, you know, you, this is really good. You got a lot of talent and then showed you how to make it better. That wasn't a <clears throat> criticism. You know, that wasn't a you shouldn't do this anymore. And so many people give up before their dream has a chance to really grow from the baby stage to, you know, a teenager or grown up. And I love that you illustrated it beautifully because you will borrow his faith in his faith in you. You'll borrow it till you find your own. And people listening today need to borrow that faith as well. Nobody goes out of the blocks and hits a home run the first time they put a pen or a, you know, a keyboard to paper. This is so true. And I think it's really important to realize that if you have a dream and you have talent, it doesn't mean that you can just shoot out of the block and be like a skyrocket and, you know, or a firework and explode and be amazing right there. You've got to, like you said, nurture that talent. You've got to, in addition, train that talent. And when you see someone like um, a marathon runner or, you know, they don't win those marathons because they started the first day and did 26 point whatever it is miles, 26.6, whatever it is. Um, 
they they train day after day after day. And it's the same thing with someone who has a dream to be a screenwriter or an actor or a producer or a, a um, novelist or even just get their message out in a memoir. You cannot just walk into that without having done the training. And so that's why, you know, I know um, Dr. Bear has a class coming up here in April. In fact, it's I wish I could go again right now, but life is so busy and I am in the process of writing my first screenplay. So I'm going to go ahead and write this first screenplay and go to a conference that's coming up. And that's where our, our second guest will come in, J.D. DeWitt. She's going to tell us about her brainchild and all about how she came up with Connecting Writers with Hollywood conference coming up in Spokane in May. And I'm just I'm excited that there is not just the opportunity to go after a dream, but the opportunity to train for that dream. And I think well, training is crucial. Well, and I'd like to say something about talent. You know, I've walked this earth for a while in uh, some really high-end markets. And a lot of times the difference between somebody having talent, Angela, and someone not is there's a little component of confidence in there. And I know a lot of really talented people who don't believe they're talented. I never believed I was talented. I didn't wake up going, oh, I'm really talented at this and I should do this and that's why I'm doing it because I lacked confidence. Wow. And if you're listening today and you're wondering if you can do it, uh, Wayne Gretzky has a great quote. He says, you miss uh, 100% of the shots you don't take. So you can take a shot at it and you can discover your talent. Not everybody wakes up feeling talented and that's okay. Doesn't mean the talent's not there. But as Angela said, you got to nurture it, you got to grow it and you got to train it. And I love some of these people that are surprised with how good they are when they achieve. You can see it on their face. It is amazing. And I think some of the things that are really fun about achievement is that if you do it in little increments first, you build the confidence to go for the big ones. And that's one of the things that I always thought people were uh, being nice. You know, it's like, well, how do you how do you have the confidence to keep going for all these things? And it's like, well, because I tripped and fell flat on my face enough times to know I could get up and do it. And I think <laughs> that's all, to me, I look at all these great uh, achievers and Really, you're not looking at just a great achiever. You're looking at somebody who has fallen down, scuffed up their knees, scuffed up their elbows, and at least landed on their face to scuff up their, their face hard enough that they didn't like it, that they got up again to do it better. And it's like, you know, you can go back to the little child and you see the little child learning to walk. I have a little grandson who's um, just learning to walk. Those kids fall on their tushes, I don't know how many times, and yet they are determined to walk. What is it that happens that we get so nervous as adults that we are afraid to keep getting up and walking? And I just, I'm going to take this back to um, a little about a year and a half ago, and I had foot surgery. And guess who had to learn to walk again? And guess who was told she would never do a ballet point again? because it is so difficult for the foot after you have that kind of surgery. Guess who can do a ballet point? And so when I think about the difficulty that we have to overcome to build talent, 
I love that people like Dr. Ted Bear are out there to not only encourage you, but to offer you an overview. The first step is looking at what it's really going to look like, what it's going to be like for you when you're finally there. If you don't have that big picture overview, you can't take it down into the little small elements to understand the steps it's going to take. And I think it's really important to do that. He even has in his book, he has everything from service motivations, like why you do things, spiritual motivations, um, playful motivations. He's got these things that are in here to help us understand not only how and why we want to succeed, but how and why a movie or a screenplay will succeed. So to me, um, reading this book, getting the overview is, is a great idea. And I think um, everything he says, he's got this really kind of interesting quote here. Most systems, meaning anything that you're going to do, an overview, boil down to designating several distinct periods in your life, recalling four or five of your achievements during each period, and then analyzing what motivations and talents went into those achievements. Have you ever thought about what in, went into your achievements? I think that's, it's crucial. You know, your your talents, your drive, everything that you do, everything that you're going to become are really a part of all the things that have gone before. And so often we have difficulty um, doing those things because we're so worried about what other people think about. So instead, we're going to come back after the break and we're going to bring Dr. Bear on and we're going to talk to him about how to succeed in Hollywood without losing your soul. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Free radicals and antioxidants are at war with each other. Antioxidants stop free radicals, also known as oxidants, from traveling through your body and damaging your cells. Free radicals are molecules created when they are oxidized or lose electrons. According to Weight Watchers, research suggests that adding antioxidants found in fruits, vegetables, and grains to your diet is well worth it. Antioxidants may help stave off stroke, heart disease, and diabetes. On top of that, some studies indicate that antioxidants may even delay the onset of many age-related diseases. Since your body does not manufacture the main antioxidants, which are vitamin E and C, beta-carotene, and the trace metal selenium, it is important to add these to your diets. Be sure to consume fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. I'm Annette Hammond. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. 
We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Hi, this is Angela Breidenbach back with Lit Up. And we're excited to be able to talk about a book that I think will really help shape and form your dreams. If you've wanted to write a screenplay or if you've wanted to get into the movies or try any of the different fields that are involved in filmmaking in Hollywood. So today uh, my guest is Dr. Ted Baer. He's the founder and publisher of The Movie Guide, The Family Guide to Movies and Entertainment, and Chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission Ministry, as well as a noted critic, educator, lecturer, and media pundit. His life's purpose is to be used of God to redeem the values of the media while educating audiences on how to use discernment in selecting their entertainment. And if you want to know more about him, you can go to movieguide.org. Welcome, Ted. Oh, it's great to be with you today, Angie. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's really fun because I was just saying in the first segment that I had the opportunity to go to your class in, um, it's actually in Camarillo, California, but uh, it was a wonderful overview of the entire industry. What made you think about uh, coming up with a book like this and a class like that? And I know you have one coming up. Well, here's what happened. I grew up in the entertainment industry. My parents were stars. My father starred in about 80 movies. Now, I mean, in the 30s, he was a pretty big star. He won the box office award in 1936, and my mother was a star. But I grew up as a typical, you know, liberal Hollywood kid. And when my mother died when I was young, I went off the deep end and got involved in all sorts of nefarious activities and self-destructive activities. And then uh, after uh, Dartmouth and Cambridge and all these places, uh, I got saved. Somebody gave me a Bible. They, they nagged me to read it for about six months. I finally read it. I got saved, and uh, I went to a seminary in New York, which I call a cemetery, a mainline seminary. And they were they had the rights to the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So they elected me president of that organization. We did it on CBS. It got an Emmy Award. It won 37 million people. But since I'd grown up with all this fame and fortune, I decided, nah, I don't want that. What I want to do is help others succeed. So the whole mm-hmm. purpose of this is to help other people succeed, help them to know what to do. We just had um, two men come in yesterday, uh, one Jewish, one Christian, who decided to buy one of our Kairos Prize winning scripts. Some of our scripts have, have now won the $100,000 Epiphany Prize. Some of them have done, it's been the top program on Hallmark. So these guys are buying it for their studio. They've started a studio. And, you know, we have to help them because we don't want them to fail. Every time a Christian film or Christian production fails, we want the quality to be just as good as the rest of the entertainment industry, if not better. And we've helped a lot of people along the way, and I'm just blessed to see their growth. You know, one of my friends was the uh, my radio engineer for many years, Alex Kendrick, and they've done great movies. So every time somebody does a great movie, and you know Serena Miller, and she yeah. did Loves, Finds You in Sugar Creek, and she took the class. So it's just fun to see people succeed, and it's fun to be able to teach them. I was head of a department at Berkeley, so I brought all those tools together to this four-day class. So thank you for asking. You know, what was really interesting about what you just said was helping others to succeed. And, you know, when I went and I got my 
um, coaching certification for, for life coaching and business coaching and all that, it really came down to, I wanted to help others succeed too. And don't you think, you know, there is some element where there's a deeper sense of satisfaction when you see someone else succeed and you were kind of more, you know, the behind the scenes person in doing that, you know, don't you feel, do you feel more like a coach or, or how does that work for you? Well, I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing, and I've worked on movies uh, since I was saved. You know, the Jesus of Nazareth didn't have a resurrection in it, so Bill Bright from right. Campus Crusade uh, was boycotting it. So we f- helped Vincenzo Labella to figure out how to take some of the earlier footage and make it look like there was a resurrection, and it works. Everybody says, oh, Jesus of Nazareth, we love that film. And the Jesus <laughs> film done by John Heyman and all that. So... You know, it's it's a chance to multiply. Actually, the average film in Hollywood takes about 13 years. Now, we've short-circuit, you know, we've cut that shorter for a lot of people, but it still takes a long time. So if I can multiply, if I can get eight people into a class or when I go to a big lecture like I'm going to do in Budapest, I can get a couple hundred people and I can get them to start telling their stories properly, then instead of one movie every 13 years, maybe we can get one a year. And now we're up... To to about 64% of the movies with positive Christian content. So we're very blessed. I think that is amazing. And when you have the opportunity to have a book like How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul, and that book has such a great overview, it's like I thought when I picked that up I was just going to learn about screenwriting. But in the book you actually go into a lot of uh, details so that the screenwriter, the actor, the director, the producer, I mean there are so many different jobs in Hollywood that come together to make one movie happen. That I don't think a lot of people understand that until they read your book. And I think that's something that I thought was really helpful in understanding better how this whole thing comes to play. And there was one other thing that I thought was really important that I learned, and that was that the screenwriter doesn't have the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I know. I know. You know, I, on some silly movies like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, you know, one was 18,000 people worked on the film. And sometimes you get 20, 25,000. It's a cooperative effort. It's a team effort. And uh, talk about uh, being a coach and being in charge as a director really has to bring out the best of people. So we show them everything from screenwriting to get your plot points right. I mean, one man made a Christian movie, and he said, oh, you didn't give us too good a review. And I said, well, your first plot point was supposed to be at page 17, and yours was on page 54, and I was asleep by the time it happened. So there are certain technical rules that you have to follow. And then the people who came in yesterday who didn't understand your movie should be in profit before it goes into theaters. Hollywood does that all the time. I had one of the big film financiers come and talk at the class. I don't know whether it was your class or not. And he was talking about how you get in profit before you even start. So those are just basic rules and negotiation of contracts. You know, uh, mm-hmm. your friend and mine that I just mentioned, who I won't mention again, you know, her contract was not good. You've got to make the contract good. You've got to understand what you're writing. They use all sorts of obstructionist terms so that you won't know what they're saying. And so you've got to take the time to learn the industry. And we just give you a 40,000-foot uh, overview. 
but at least we get you asking the right questions, I hope, so that you can succeed. Yeah, I think that's a, was one of the main things for me was was not only that, but also I think uh, helping me to get past the fear of letting somebody else read my work. And I think your contests that you do um, are, can you tell um, the listeners a little bit about the contests that go along with the movie guide and how those work? Well, we have two, two uh, forms of the screenwriting contest. One is the Kairos Prize for first-time screenwriters, and the guys who came yesterday had bought one of those Kairos Prize-winning scripts. In fact, they're doing the screenwriters who wrote them, the winner script, they're doing all of their movies. They're financing a whole string of movies for them. And we wow. see this all the time that studios pick up movies. Even Oprah picked up one of our winners. We also do uh, sort of established writers. We used to call it a Kronos Prize, but people got confused between Kronos and Kronos. Uh, so we, we now call it the Kairos Pro. And we give out a, a gift. You know, we give out, uh, we used to give out a $50,000 prize for the top three. Uh, now, the problem is that people think the gift is the reason to enter, but it's not the gift. It's not the prize money. It's the fact that next week we send out this winning group to people like Jeffrey Katzenberg, who is one of the biggest names in the industry. And Jeffrey always reads them, and he always gets back to me with his thoughts about it. So to get, as one head of Fox said, to get your script read by the head of Fox is pretty extraordinary. And it short circuits the agency process and the legal process and just gives you a better chance of getting your movie made. And then we see people like Pureflix who picked up a lot of our prize winners, a lot of the directors, a lot of people that came out of Movie Guide and out of the work that we do. And, um, and now <laughs> using them to uh, write their movies and direct their movies. So that's good news because Pureflix is doing very well. One of their movies, God's Not Dead, did over 100 and 50 million, I guess, by the time they got rid of all the all the DVDs and everything else. So we're doing oh, pretty that, well. It's a, I didn't realize that that had gone um, that that big, and which explains why they had a second movie. And explains why they're doing so well right now. They're actually paying for productions, paying for scripts, and they sponsor the Kairos Prize now because they're so enthusiastic about the winners. I'm excited. I'm hoping that I'll be able to turn this first one in for those prizes. And I want to encourage listeners that if you have uh, the desire to learn how to do screenwriting or learn anything about uh, Hollywood, how to, how to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul is a great book to pick up. And um, Dr. Bear, would you tell us how to find out more about you and where you're at? And um, then we're going to need to go into break. Okay, good, yeah. Go to movieguide.org. Uh, we also own movieguide.com, but, you know, we're nonprofit, so we like movieguide.org. You can get free movie reviews. We send them out. Uh, they're posted every day, but we also send out date night reviews if you want to go to a date and see a good movie. Family reviews if you want to see a movie with your kids. Then you can find out about all the how to succeed in Hollywood without losing your soul, and also very special for parents where you can find out how to teach your kids to be culture-wise without going off the deep end. So we're here to help you, and we're here to serve you. So whatever we can do to help and serve. And Angie, if you're, if you're shutting me off right now, I want to do it again so we can talk more about what's going on. So God bless you. 
You got a deal, Dr. Bear. And for anybody out there listening, be sure to go and look up Beauty and the Beast. They know they have a brand new movie guide uh, review up. And I know that movie is in theaters now. So there's things that you can learn about that for yourself, for your family, for culture-wise. And definitely, Dr. Ted Bear, we will have you back on the show because you're a great person to help encourage others about what they're doing with writing. So thank you much. And we will talk with you again in the future. Thank you, Angie. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to Men's Health Magazine, Australian researchers found that every hour in front of the TV trims 22 minutes from your life. A study at the University of Vermont discovered that overweight participants who cut their daily television time in half from an average of five hours to two and a half hours burned an extra 119 calories a day. Another study reported that overweight people had an average of 3.4 television sets in their homes while lean people had an average of 2.6 television sets. It is reported that of people who lost weight, 63% of them watched less than 10 hours of TV a week. All this research should encourage you to watch TV in moderation and choose to go for a brisk walk instead of sitting in front of the television. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Girlfriend It is on Togginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend at Principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Hi, this is Angela Breidenbach back with Lit Up, and I'm so excited to share with you this this guest coming on just spoke to the dream that was not just whispering in my heart, but roaring in my heart. I am so excited to share her with you because she has come up with this conference that's called Connecting Writers with Hollywood. And in this conference, uh, writers and anybody who's interested, not only novelists, but also screenplay writers are going to be able to go connect, not just together, but in pitch sessions. I cannot wait for her to tell us about these. So... Um, to tell you a little bit about our guest, her name is J.D. DeWitt, and she is an amazing, fun person. She has an eye for quality work and an awareness of what's trending in the entertainment industry. J.D. DeWitt acquires material for ISE, 
primarily through attending writers' conferences. As a former literary and talent agent, J.D. consults with creative individuals and helps facilitate in preparing their material to submit to ISE's studio contacts. As a natural advocate for authors, J.D.'s goal is to connect writers with Hollywood. And I need to share with you that if you want to learn how to do that, if you want to pitch your work, if you just want to learn how to write, uh, not only novels, because I'll be at this conference and have the opportunity to give you a great overview of the writing industry, but if you want to get those novels into movies, and that's your dream too, then you want to go to CWWH2017.com for the Connecting Writers with Hollywood Conference. Welcome, JD. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited you're here. I've just had a really good time getting to know you. And we just had um, Dr. Ted Bear on telling us an overview of Hollywood and kind of taking a look at his book, How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul. But yeah. you have the unique angle of having had this brainchild of, of a conference. And I would love if you would tell us where that idea came from and how you envision this conference to happen and what's happening there. Sure. Um, so this has been brewing in my mind for about five years. And my my past with working with actors and talent and, you know, submitting them for acting jobs and film and TV um, was a great opportunity to learn the entertainment part of the industry. I sold the agency about five years ago because... What I really, my passion really has been since I was young is working with authors. And so I've had the pleasure of working with authors for about a dozen years or so, connecting with agents and editors and just kind of figuring out what, what piece of, you know, that industry I would like to get involved with. And it would be um, the fact that I would like to be a literary agent. So I, I was doing that before the evolution of self-publishing came through and and I just um, wasn't, that wasn't quite it either. And so I decided to um, combine both, uh, working with authors and the entertainment industry. And we're from the Pacific Northwest. You know, I love California people, and but I personally am a Northwest girl and I don't have any desire to live there. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, how, and I do have to go there and do our, our studio pitches and stuff on behalf of our clients. But it's um, fun. It's a great place to visit. It's really fun. I to love visit. visiting. I totally love visiting. But, you know, if you're, you're, it's just a different environment than, you know, than I know. I'm used to. I'm a Montana girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get it. We're Pacific Northwestern girls. But so um, all that to say, I decided that I would bring producers here to our region, and we have so much talent here with Spokane and Seattle, Idaho, Portland. You know, we just have a great hub, and not everyone can make it to L.A., so I thought I would use those contacts, bring the producers here, bring the directors here, bring um, successful screenwriters here to teach our, our writers um, how to go through that process. So hence the, you know, phrase connecting writers with Hollywood. I love that. And I want to know if, uh, in this, in this brainchild, 
how you met these different people, you know, did you just go down to Hollywood and you were visiting studios? How did, how did you meet these people that you, and then tell us some of the people that are coming that people can pitch to or meet and how that works. Okay. Uh, so mostly through the talent agency, I had those entertainment connections. Um, yeah, I'm trying to draw. It's been about five years since I've been in that. <laughs> Ancient <laughs> but, history in the techie world, isn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So let's just say through through various, mostly introductions. You know, are are a big way. Just being at the right place at the right time. I met one of my business partners at a luncheon and just went up to him after, like everyone else. And thanked him for coming and just got to talking and and now he's my business partner and ISE for anyone who wants to know stands for Ink Slinger Entertainment. That's what we are co-founders of and that's what um, that's what we bring authors under to sign them to take their works to Hollywood. Um, my conference is not put on by Ink Slinger Entertainment. It's just it's just put on by my company. So. Um, as far as the speakers who are coming, I, I've just met them through various ways. You know, Chuck Polinick is coming to open the conference and Brian Bird from, you know, if, if nobody knows who he is, he is amazing and writes for Hallmark and produces for Hallmark Channel. Um, he's coming to the keynote as well. You know, I'm very excited about that because uh, these are people that, when I visited with you getting prepared to do this uh, interview, you said something to me that really spoke to my heart. And that was that um, Chuck Polinick and Brian Bird were just down to earth, humble, kind people. And I think doing these kinds of things where you're really stepping outside of your comfort zone to stretch your wings and go after a dream. Mm -hmm. To hear that somebody's just a nice person really takes the the pain out of stepping forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have to. Yeah, I agree. I have to say that the people I have coming are very genuine, and they're there actually because they want to be there because they um, are eagerly seeking material. So they have just as much interest as being there as probably the author, believe it or not. Um, yeah. So I, I only work with people who are, who are kind and like that. <laughs> I love that. And I think there's something else that's really important in this that, um, when you, when we go in for these pitch sessions and, you know, we, we will have a break and then we'll be able to continue on. But, uh, in case we have to stop, I just, I just want to know, want you to know that, um, listeners out there, you know, they get really scared of interview situations where they feel like they're being judged. You know what I mean? And when you, when you sit down in these pitch sessions, uh, at writing conferences or at connecting writers with Hollywood, um, and I'm going to say that website again for people, cwwh2017.com. And it's being held Memorial Weekend of 2017 if you're listening to this at, at a later time. But when you go into these pitch sessions, they're only 15 minutes long. And I call that speed dating. So, you know, I would really love for you to give listeners a tip 
uh, or some tips on how do you speed date with somebody who's who it feels like is judging you, judging your work? Sure. Um, well, I know that for me and my experience on sitting on the table um, of receiving pitches from writers, I tend to, they seem to be so nervous and I tend to spend two or three minutes of that time reassuring them and, and letting them know just to take a breath and not to be nervous and kind of talking them down from whatever um, anxiety they might have. I, I know it's easier said than done, but my first encouragement would just be to sit down like um, the, the producer or whoever is sitting across from you is just normal person wanting to visit with you there no one's you know being forced to be there and and I've never heard of anyone judging the person of course they're going to judge the work in their opinion um Mm -hmm. but don't let any one person crush you either if they say no it's not for them it's really just not for them and it doesn't mean you're a bad writer or anything could be great for the next one you pitch to well you know that's true I I had I hadn't seen this email in forever and I was going through and cleaning out my email and I got a rejection on a particular book. Now, um, folks who follow me or read what I write know that I've written um, 15 books, but uh, that doesn't mean I don't still get rejection. And I had a book go into Simon & Schuster at one point. Didn't even remember this. This is probably a five-year-old email I saw the other day and I was just deleting stuff I didn't need anymore. And in that email, it said, you know, She's a good writer. We just already have the historical romance category um, filled, you know, for the next couple of years. And it's like, well, I need to move on then. So in these pitch sessions, for me, it became a part of not just pitching my work, but also finding out if they were a fit for me. And two years is not a fit for me if I want that work to come out. Um, We're going to go to break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to put yourself out there and what to expect if you're attending the Connecting Writers with Hollywood Conference this coming Memorial Weekend in Spokane, Washington. So um, stick with me, and we will be back with Lit Up. So see you in a moment. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Soups are often included in healthy, low-calorie diet plans. But as with most foods, the calories and nutritional value can be very diverse. 
A typical bowl of soup has two cups and can range from 75 calories for a bowl of gazpacho to over 600 calories for some chowders. Research shows that mini soups are very high in sodium. When tested, the results showed that 99% of the supposedly healthy and light soups contain salt above the daily recommended level. When choosing soups, go for the broth and water-based varieties. In general, the more water a soup contains, the less calories. Skip cream-based soups that are full of fat. It is always best to order a cup of soup rather than a bowl. Keep your quantity small and your calories low. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Breidenbach, and we're back with Lit Up and our wonderful guest, J.D. DeWitt, and we're talking about connecting writers with Hollywood Conference that's coming up. And J.D., just before the break, we were starting to talk about how to do a pitch and basically how to survive it, because it's nerve-wracking when you think you're going to go in and make a fool of yourself in front of somebody that you maybe might fangirl or, you know, over. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody makes mistakes. So uh, how do we not only go in and and survive it, but how do we actually, what should be in a pitch? Well, definitely your hook. Um, Nothing else matters unless you have a good hook, which is a whole radio show and then some in itself. But research how how to do a hook, a log line, something that, you know, for for the literary industry, it's a little bit different. You don't have to really compare your works to others, and it's not as recommended as it is um, for Hollywood. They want to know, you know, does your show, what what show does it compare to? You know, is it a crossover between shows? Because that gives them a visual. They're visual, you know, of course. And so come in with a hook, and then just, if you have to just get that hook out of the way, and that might... That'll start, it should prompt questions from the person who is receiving your pitch. Um, They might begin to start asking about your character. And so it's just everything you already know. So if you can get that hook out of your way, nervous or not, it'll it'll start the conversation. So if you were to um, tell somebody the basics of what a hook is, is the basics of a hook is something that's like 30 words or less, like in a novel pitch, it's like they call it the elevator pitch. And you want to... my um, agent told me that she always wants me to know my, my pitch in 30 words in a hundred words and in 300 words. So how would you describe, you know, what a hook is? Definitely. You know, what you said first um, about 30 words, a great, a great sentence. It could be um, it, it, I wouldn't worry about the word count so much. It's just a great sentence. And, of course, I can't come up with one on the top of my head because um, I just can't. <laughs> but if you read if you read movie posters or um, really there's so much research out there about how to create a hook, definitely go by that and let it go through a critique process because you might think your hook is answering questions such as, where is this taking place? You already know your characters in the world you have set. So don't don't say, you know, a young woman because that could be, you know, a 15-year-old or a 35-year-old. So try to be 
succinct, but um, make sure you get that critiqued around so that any questions can be answered in that hook for the producer. Because if you have your hook and then five people come after you that have a great hook that get them, yours is going to be forgotten probably. I think too, it's, um, it's important to test that hook with not just maybe your colleagues or professionals that maybe you're in your critique group, but also test it with just um, people you talk to on the street and in town. You know, a lot of people that are acquaintances or friends or something like that are like, hey, what are you up to lately? And, you know, it's scary to say to somebody, I'm writing a screenplay. Mm-hmm. You know? But most people think that's kind of unique and exciting if they don't live in Hollywood, right? And so to me, it'd be a really cool thing to say, I'm writing a screenplay and let yeah. them say, um, well, what's it about? And there you get to test your hook. And it's like, I do that with my novels. I test my hook with people, <laughs> poor strangers standing in line at the grocery store uh, or anything. I think no, that's like, great. Yeah. It, it's a way, though, to see a natural reaction. But Absolutely. And it's like sometimes that'll be the kind of person that'll read or watch, you know, what it is you're doing. But sometimes it's the person who um, maybe they don't have an interest in that particular thing. And it's really fun to see how that person reacts if they get the idea that you're trying to get across. Because so sometimes I think the hardest person to connect with is the best person to see if you have a good hook. You know? Yeah. So what would people expect? They're, they're going to show up, and I know it, it runs Thursday through um, Saturday of mm-hmm. Memorial Weekend. And let's say newbies walking in. This is a first-time conference. What, okay. what do they expect when they walk in the door, and what's going to happen in the schedule? Okay, so, um, of course, after they register, we will have uh, an introduction to the workshop, you know, sort of sort – of, um, I'm sorry, introduction to the conference workshop where they can go in and just, like you said, for a newbie, I am fielding so many questions of just that from newbies. They don't know what to expect at all. So we're going to actually have a a workshop geared just for that information and Q&As and just sort of to alleviate any, any pressure, anxiety somebody has. And then after that, we'll start with our educational um, sessions on how how to pitch and what to expect in a pitch. So we have an, an hour and a half workshop for that where you can actually partner and practice your pitches with people during that time. And then we'll have um, dinner and then we'll all come back and Chuck Palahniuk will come and give um, his keynote. So the next morning will be filled with workshop sessions and general sessions. And I did that because most conferences have a plethora of workshops to choose from. And then you, I, I know if there's 12 workshops to choose from one, you might feel like you're missing out. And so I only have two going on at once at the same time. So one is going to be geared for authors and the other one will be geared more toward screenwriters. And so you're not really too torn. You're most likely one or the other. And then I have a lot of general sessions where everyone just comes together. And, and I wanted that intimate type feeling instead of a chaotic, you know, where should we go to in five minutes sort of thing. At some of the bigger conferences, um, I do feel 
very pressured and stressed trying to choose between different things. Although mm-hmm. I'll say, being the author who is teaching the author section while they're screenwriting what is going on, are you... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so... So if you're coming to the Connecting Writers with Hollywood and you're there on Friday, May 26, 2017, you're going to and you want to learn how to um, write novels or be a part of um, the writing community on the book side, um, you'll be in my class. (laughs) Yes, go see Angie. (laughs) (laughs) But the um, question then I have is, are you recording any of the other sessions? Do you have any plans for that this first conference? Uh, We we that's in the works. We're hoping to have that happen. I, some of my presenters, some of my presenters have agents and managers, and so we have some red tape there. But mm-hmm. we're, we're working on it. And, and worst case, maybe we can just ask that person, "Hey, take your your smartphone up there and, <laughs> <laughs> and send that recording to Angie." <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, that I think the it's going to be a really awesome conference and then you've got meal times planned where people can like what happened with you how you met these people where they can network and mingle yeah we have a, a session set aside for attendees to greet you know meet sort of a meet and greet and just kind of maybe sit at tables that are set aside for you know mystery writers or horror authors or you know screenwriters so that you can just kind of yeah. find your find your little group I know genre, and the more you have in common, the better. What do you hope? Um, we're coming to the to the end of the show, and I just want to hear what do you hope that attendees at the Connecting Writers with Hollywood conference um, get out of going to the conference? Um, the education on what it takes to the proper way to get there, you know, to pitch or to um, find to be a better writer. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, during their pitch sessions, my hope would be a great. A couple of testimonies that come out of their works actually getting optioned and produced. That would be, I would, I would just be elated at that, of course, as the author would be. (laughs) Um, So I have a lot of, you know, of reasons for wanting this to succeed on behalf of people who come. And um, I really am doing it for them. How many people do you think, um, if you were to say, hey, the maximum amount of people that'll be at the conference because some people are nervous of being crowds and some people love crowds. Mm. What would you say to expect? We are capping this first year at 150. Oh, that's awesome. So you can yeah. really get to know somebody in a smaller arena like that. And it's yeah. being held uh, in Spokane on Memorial Weekend. Where? At the historic Davenport Hotel. Okay. And um, attendees are supposed to go ahead and call and make their own hotel reservations, correct? Yeah. And there's a lot of hotels around within walking distance if if they didn't want to stay there. Okay. Um, JD, can you please tell us how to find you, um, wh- how to connect with you if people have questions or, you know, um, how to find the conference? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, well, you can from the website you've been mentioning, uh, cwwh2017.com. And my email is uh, jd at jddwit.com. And I'm on there, feels like 24-7. So <laughs> my, yeah, I'll, I'll respond to anyone who has a question. And her last name is spelled D-E-W-I-T-T. 
so you can find her. And this is Angela Breidenbach, and my website is AngelaBreidenbach.com, and that's B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And if you're interested in anything that I do in speaking or in the books that I write and things like that, that's a great place to find me. And I really am so glad that everybody was with us today. And I'm just so grateful, J.D., that you could come on and talk with us about connecting writers with Hollywood because I think some great things are going to come out of this. So thank you again for being with me. And I hope that um, you'll come back again. And I hope that our listeners will enjoy coming back again for the next show. So. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on Lit Up. Light up your literary world. Expand your imagination. Enhance your life. Lit Up will be back next week with another great conversation. Join us, won't you? Right here on Lit Up. I'd rather be